When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on Fox Sports Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right, Power Hour fully engaged now here inside the Locker Room. That's right, hour number two coming live and at you. A little housekeeping, uh, Wolf, that, you know, we care to mention. It is official. Mike Tomlin will be coming back for the 2024 <laughs> season as he announced to the team, which I'm sure he will do later. Uh, actually, right at following our broadcast, we'll have the Mike Tomlin press conference uh, coming to you live here on SNR. So make sure you tune in. But he's back, you know, one more time, one more ride. And, of course, I'm sure there will be a multi-year contract extension coming before the season starts because uh, that was started in earnest, I think, back in November. They started talking about a contract extension, Wolf. Yeah. Let me ask you something. The head ball coach will be here. Max, did you ever seriously consider that Mike wasn't going to? I mean, that whole thing about stepping with No. It it was a non-starter. I was Ah. like, if anything, maybe you use that as a tactic to kind of get a little extra ducats in your pocket. But, I mean, for for Tomlin, you know, I I didn't seriously consider it. And I I kind of talked about it on my SXM uh, late hit show. On Tuesday, you know, because everybody was asking, I was like, listen, I get everybody wants to be an insider and everybody wants to be on top of it and prove that they they broke the story first because it matters so much. Um, But, you know, everybody's going to question that anytime you get over 10 years at some place. Right. You know, and now Mike Tomlin is the most tenured coach in the NFL with the retirement of Bill Belichick. So. You know, that question is going to come up every year until he actually does it. And then finally, somebody's going to be like, see, I told you he was going to do it this time. Yeah. I was like, but you were wrong the previous, like, ten times. So, yeah. please stop. You know, it, it, this is what I love. You got you got T.J. Watt the day after the game. What's he say? I want to play for Mike T. It was huge in my contract talks that I don't want to play for anyone other than Mike T. You guys see the way I talk about how much I respect and appreciate him as a coach, man, and leader. I mean – that's a pretty good, hefty, um, you know, uh, uh, endorsement. endorsement. Yes, thank you. I'm, you know, yeah. just uh, getting one of those things where I'm a little begoggled in the head because there's so many thoughts running in there going, get yeah, Zooks, Teamwork man. Teamwork makes the dream work. Yeah. Teamwork makes the dream work. No, no doubt about it. And for, for TJ to come up and endorse in that vein in the, with those words, I, I thought that was very powerful. No, it is. And, and listen, I mean, leaders recognize other leaders. I mean, that's the other thing I think Good people point. kind of kind of lose sight of that. Like, when you get to this level of playing at an elite level, a professional level, you know, there's certain things that you look at as standards or, 
or, or, or minimum, minimum requirements. And then you look at those who exceed those. And you're always judging, calculating, basing, you know, how, how you judge different things and what works for you, what doesn't work for you, you know, because at the professional level, you learn to be more efficient, right? Cause you don't have the time and you have to make sure that you dedicate and allocate your time responsibly and effectively. And so when you get around somebody that has a lot of traits that you're looking for, that you, that, that re- resonate well with you, that's why you make those type of statements, right? Wolf, I mean, right. you know, you, you want to be around like-minded people and especially a guy like TJ, who's no nonsense. Like he, like, listen, I need the most effective, efficient way of processing, communicating, and getting through things. And that is one of the qualities I think that people kind of overlook about Mike Tomlin. They're always worried, oh, well, how does he manage this? How does he manage that? He is an effective communicator with all those guys. He has a bead on that locker room, whereas I think when we talk about some of the other kind of retirements, dismissals, however you want to play, you know, place it, I think you look at the case of Bill Belichick, you look at the case of um, Pete Carroll, and even Nick Saban, right? I mean, yes, Nick, uh, Pete Carroll is exuberant, and he, he, I think he still has touch with the team, but I think they wanted something younger, even though I feel like Pete Carroll does not act his age at all. No. And that's, and that's a compliment, not, not a detraction. Right. But I guess, you know, they look at the age and they say, oh, there, there's, a, there's a disconnect somewhere. But I think I look at it more importantly and say, you know, a guy like Bill Belichick and Nick Saban, they're cut from the same cloth. They're old mm-hmm. school Iron Fist coaches. And today's player is not that. So how does a Bill Belichick or a Nick Saban resonate with young players? And so that's always the question when you get a coach of age. Well, Mike T's still young. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, he's only 51. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He, he, just, he just crossed over the half century mark. So he's still very viable he's active in the locker room he knows what the culture is he has he has sons around their age so he knows what it is you know and and yes it might feel like a parental type of deal but on the flip side you look at the other guys and it's like they have grandchildren their age probably you know so there's a bit of a different type of skew and and mike mike is down for it he's all for it i remember last year remember he's he, he gave the entire team Black Air Force Ones to start the season when they went to play uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, that that's something that a coach that's in tune would understand that. He, he gets the culture. He gets the lingo and the terminology, whereas I feel like some others wouldn't. So that's why I don't see him being tired, as they were trying to say, or he's deeply vexed about something. and He needs a sabbatical. Like, that's just not in Mike Tomlin's nature. No, that's, no, that's not him at all. There's no way. I, I just don't buy, it, buy that. But let me ask you this, Will, because I know, you know, you, you are much more, you follow college ball a lot more. What do you think what happened with Nick, with Nick Saban? I, I think for him, because this was something that's kind of brewing, he, I think he was tired of having to ask alumni to help with the NIL process. Okay. And then I think having to re-recruit kids on an annual basis that are already in the program mm-hmm. probably can get probably can get to you. Cause I mean, Nick Saban is a type that once he says something, that's it. So to then have to kind of reiterate, go over, and like you said, re-recruit guys on top of trying to recruit new guys. You're in the portal, you're looking at high school kids, re-recruiting your own team, you're asking for NIL money to compete with the other schools that are throwing a lot more cash at, at these young players, it can get troubling, especially when you think about the run that he's had, especially throughout the entire 2010s, right? Right. 
and where it, he just he just had the pick of the litter. Now he has to fight for players, and you have to fight to keep said players because you have to remember right after they lost that game, eight players jumped in the portal. Yeah. So that's something that you never hear at Alabama, just like you didn't hear that at Clemson, and then all of a sudden. Dabo became, you know, talking about, well, I got God's NIL and da-da-da-da-da. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, hey, Dabo. That's not going to work. I know you're preaching to the Southern Baptists down there, but that's not going to work for the 18-year-old kid that you're trying to recruit, you know, from, from Oklahoma or Texas or California. Like, like if you want that kid, you're going to have to pay for him. Like, he's not just going to do it out of the goodness of his heart. Not when it's a free market society that you've created in, in the collegiate ranks. Thank you, NCAA. Um, so... I think that kind of wore on wore on Saban. Hmm. And that's why I think he finally had to make that decision. Like, you know what? Do I really want to fight this fight again? And, you know, it wasn't necessarily I mean, they fought and and they came up they rose to the occasion to make it to the playoff. And but at the same time, you know, it was a it, it, it's a lot on college coaches now. And I think it is more of a younger man's game in the collegiate ranks to go through that because like I said, it's the hustle, it's the grind. And that grind applies to your own team as well, because it's not guaranteed. Once they sign that scholarship, they're not, you're not getting that player for, for three or four years. Like that player can leave after year one if if he if he feels any type of slight or he didn't get enough playing time or you redshirted him when he thought he should be playing, and then that kid jumps ship. And yeah. so it, it it can be it can be a bit daunting. I mean, even for me following it, right? Like I, I you right. know on a year to year basis when I get my college when I do my college boards. Like, wait a second. That kid was that kid was at Tennessee last year. Why is he doing here? Yeah. <laughs> oh no, that kid was at UNLV. Why is he now here? Okay, Oklahoma. You know what? Never mind. I'm just gonna yeah. act like I don't know this kid at all. Yeah. Um, you know, because it's just such a high turnover now um, at the collegiate level, and it's more, even more so than even NFL free agency. Because at least you know when you sign the contract, you're gonna be there four years, three years, unless you get cut. Um, you're right. going to be there, but college, it's just free for all at the end of the season. And there's two different transfer portal entry periods. So if you, even if you stave it off one time, you know, you might not get it the second time. Like UNLV, I had them for the guaranteed rate bowl and they had this, this young kid, uh, Jordan Maiava, um, talented quarterback, talented freshman. And, um, and we were going into the game it was right after the portal was closed. He's like, thank goodness. Knock, knock. We didn't have anybody going to the portal. But then right after the game was over with, getting ready for the second portal date, boom, everybody's in the portal from UNLV after that great year they had. So it's like, that's frustrating. Let me ask you, do you think the answer to this could be locking these guys into personal contracts with a scholarship, you know what I mean, and the NAL or whatever the thing, where they, they start, you know, signing them for two to four years? I don't know, you know, what, I, it, you know, it's just something across my brain. Yeah, I mean, you might eventually get to that point. But then you'd um, have to have a players' association, right? A union. Exactly. Now you have to get a union. Oh, yeah. Now you have to have collective bargaining. Oh my! And yeah. and also when the NCAA tried to flex their muscle and d- dig their head in the sand, when the Supreme Court came down and said it was unconstitutional and that it, it's fair that these players are allowed to do this and make money off of their name and likeness. It opened the gates to the wild, wild west. Yeah. Pandora's box was open, and then you, and then they said, "Well, you know, we're going to let the states regulate this." Well, hell, you know, you get to certain states, they, they all they care about is winning football, especially when you're talking about like the South and the Southeast. Like the state of Georgia was the first one that just opened it wide open. Like, hey, whatever they want, they get. And Tennessee opened it up. Florida opened it up. So now it's like, well, 
if I'm California, I'm trying to be restrictive. Well, we can't be competitive if you see these other states allowing it open and then we have a cap. So now you're like, you're trying to look what everybody else is doing and try and make yours better. And you, and you don't want to put all these safeguards in place, but is it, it like anything else, right? The initial, it's always a big bounce. And then you have a extreme pullback. Like once they start seeing kids are taking this money and, and, and donors are feeling bad that they're wasting money, you know, like Quinn Ewers, right? He went to Ohio state. He took a million dollars, didn't play a snap and then went to Texas <laughs> gone money gone. Wow. Out, the, out the door. So you know that there's going to be some type of pullback coming back, some type of regulation, but I don't think it won't happen until we finally figure out the entire super conference era that is upon us, right? We've already swallowed one. You know, we've engulfed one conference and just broke them to pieces, almost like Thanos making the snap, right. and the Pac-12 was gone, and now they're, they're segmented through four different conferences, well, three different conferences. So now I think... Once you get, we're going to get to a point where we're going to be at a two, a, a two conference, super conference, probably North and South or however you want to call it, Big Ten and SEC, however they rename it and re, re-categorize it. You're going to get that and it'll be everybody else. Um, when that era comes, then maybe you, you create a legislative body that will make that a possible situation. But, you know, for all intents and purposes right now, it's still the Wild West and whoever has the most money and can pay for the most you know, that's what it's going to be. I mean, because Texas A&M had the number one recruiting class, you know, a year ago. And where did they finish? <laughs> like, it's like that, that money, that money didn't add up to victories. So you're going to see people start to get smarter about it. But right now it's still, you know, big, big bank, take little bank. <laughs> it's just, it's just crazy. You know, I just, it just is really crazy. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it is. It is. And that's what that's that, and that's what makes it just that that it keeps my head spinning. So during the season, like like when I seem scatterbrained at times, it's because you know the college game that I have ahead and who's here, who's not, who left the portal. It's just it, it, it overwhelms you, and then you're like, okay, which guy is it really an injury? Is a guy sitting out because you know of this other reason? Because he's getting ready to jump into the portal, he wants to be healthy. I mean, there's so many like side stories that you have to kind of dig a lot deeper um, to get to, you know, the real nuts and bolts of a story, especially when you're about to do a broadcast and this guy is one of your top players. Right. Um, it just it, 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 it does it does consume the, the, the memory branks. So, I mean, so when I am scatterbrained on some occasions, I know it seems like <laughs> I'm more often than not uh, because of the amount of games I've called, but. You know, it, it is one of those things where you're trying to figure those things out. And, and I'm glad that I, I'm, I'm a part of that so I can kind of understand it. So when I do see these players that come from college to pro and that transition, you see some guys are more well-equipped for it mm-hmm. and some that aren't in the same process. And I don't know why my phone keeps ringing. Uh, silent mode. Okay. Nobody usually calls. They know it's my show time. Yeah. Um, but, but, yeah, I mean, it, 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 well, it let me helps ask you. This. Get into that. Okay, let me yeah. ask you this, Max. It seems to me the only way out of this mess is to get some sort of regulation that commits a player for a certain period of time to a school. I mean, that they can't yeah. just arbitrarily break. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, it is, but the, but, and I so know that – f- Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> no, you. No, you. All right. So then, again, I, I know that takes us to some sort of governing body or some sort of union-specific type of affair where you've got to be able to – have uh, the players' rights being stood up for and so forth. But, again, the only way that any of this makes sense is if you lock some people in and don't have to re-recruit 
people every year. I mean, that's just ludicrous. Yeah, I mean, and and that's the problem. But here, here's where the pushback comes, Wolf. The okay. pushback comes when said player union, player representative, legal legal um, entity comes in on behalf of the players and says, well, if you're going to do that, then you now have to guarantee the coach's contract that they can't leave. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because the kid yep. commits to the coach, right? Right, right. That's true. And so true. if said coach is not here, then why should I still be here? Because when I made the commitment, I made a commitment to him, not the school. I made it to the coach. Ah. If that coach is going to leave, like Kalen DeBoer, right? Head coach of Washington. You just took your team to the national championship. Yeah, you came up short, but now you're at Alabama. You're the head coach of Alabama the very next year. Yeah. So why should those kids in Washington – not be able to go find a different coach that they might want to go to because now the guy that they committed to is gone. And the staff is going to get broken up because now whoever they bring in as a new head coach, he's not going to bring that same staff that recruited you. And a new coach isn't going to necessarily look at you in the same light, especially if he didn't have you highly recruited wherever the previous place he came from. And you're there and you were highly touted here at Washington, but that's a different philosophy, a different scheme. So that's where you run into kind of the headwind of guaranteeing these kids because then you have to put the same safeguards on the coaches for trying to advance. Just crazy. Just absolutely yeah. nuts. They've now made – you know, co- college is literally professional football. It, it really it's is. It's minor league football, right? It's minor it's league football. It's not even minor league it's, anymore. Because <laughs> I'm well, telling it is you, major league and the prices, yeah. I was yeah, going to say, if you're making a million feeders, bucks, it's the feeder minor system. <laughs> yeah, it's fee- the feeder system to the NFL. How yeah. about that? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a legit, it's a legit coinciding fielding farm team yeah. <laughs> alongside the NFL. No doubt about yeah. it, man. Just Spring craziness. league still don't make it, but I mean, think about this: kids probably take a pay cut to have to go play in the XFL or USFL coming from college. Absolutely. I mean that. Yeah. that there'd be truth in that. No question. Yeah, some of them actually take a pay cut leaving college, going to the pros. You could argue. <laughs> I know <laughs> I didn't. Contract. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> neither did I, Wolf. Neither yeah. did I. <laughs> no, oh doubt my about gosh! It. All right, we'll, we're gonna step aside because we got the cool breeze coming in, and you know, I mean, he he is a guy that we would think he would probably be on Wes's side. I think we have to pose the question to him at this next one about his top three beach destinations. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> what beaches have the best like golf that... courses? That's where he's going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what, that's what I'm thinking. So, I mean, he's going to be on, on the Euler side of things, but we still got to ask it anyways because his name's the Cool Breeze. Nothing says tropical relaxing vacation other than cool breeze jerry dulac coming up after these commercial breaks you're listening to in the locker inside the locker room with wolf and starks here on fox sports pittsburgh and snr radio is in the locker room with Wolf and Starks on Fox Sports Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And on this day, January 18th, 1988, yes, two teammates of mine retired, John Stallworth and Donnie Shell. They retired simultaneously together on the same day. Both guys had been the teammates for 14 seasons. Both, uh, let's see, John Stallworth was a fourth-round draft pick in the unbelievable 1974 draft, which, of course, it got all the Hall of Famers. But uh, he was also inducted to the Hall of Fame in 2002, an inaugural member of the Steelers Hall of Honor. Uh, Stalls caught 537 passes, 8,723 yards, 
63 TDs. He played in six AFC Championship games, four-time Super Bowl champ, team MVP two times, four Pro Bowls, All-Pro in 79, All-AFC in 79 and 84, which used to have back in the day. Then you got uh, 12 postseason TD catches, 17 consecutive postseason games with a reception. You know, Stalls was just one of the greatest guys. Uh, you know, he was a wonderful route runner. I mean, this guy really was was one of those guys that ran some really great routes. But what a, a combination of speed, some good size and length, and great hands. Uh, and what a great teammate John was. He truly, and he's I know I believe he's he's still a minority uh, owner in the uh, Steelers. If uh, if uh, you know my mentality yeah. allows me to recollect <laughs> so yeah, great guy like an engineering firm or yeah yeah it was, i think it was in the aerospace yeah. or something okay i knew it was something in the engineering field yeah. i mean um down in texas right near houston i believe could be i can't, I can't, I can't, I can't remember, remember. Yeah. this i do remember you know back in the day we were in pads three days a week we were in we were uh, on the Three Rivers carpet, artificial carpet, which was just brutal. Three days a week, Real you know. Rash. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I remember, so one day, it's um, it's kind of like uh, that Indian summer, you know, towards the end of uh, the summer, it's early September, when yeah. it's just, it's still really freaking hot. It was like 90-something on the turf, and you know, at, at, at Three Rivers. And I remember um, somebody was hurt, so I had to take not only all my snaps, but all the guy that would come and replace me snaps. So I literally would practice all day. You know what I mean? That's just the way it was back in the day. If you didn't have enough bodies, you know, you just <laughs> you were stuck practicing hey, every play all day. Make That's it, it enough. Yeah. There you go. So I'm I am like exhausted. I'm I'm in the huddle and getting another gurgulation of uh, Gatorade. Right. So all of a sudden, Stalls comes up and goes, Craig. You know, he had that kind of high voice. He goes, Craig. Hi. You don't look like you're having fun. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, you don't say. <laughs> I looked at him. I said, no, John, I'm not. Right at the moment. I haven't had a break in two hours right so far. We're two hours into practice. I haven't even had a break yet. I go, you know, I don't get to go out there and run pass patterns and play catch all day with, uh, you know, Terry Bradshaw and the rest of the guys, okay? And he, laughed, yeah. he, he, looks, he put his arm around and goes, you you need a hug. <laughs> oh, he was so you know, funny, man. That, that that's what it was. You know what? That's what it was, Stalls. That's what it was. That's exactly what it was. Oh <laughs> yeah. yeah. And this, you know, I just I just needed a pat on the back. You know, just a good attaboy. <laughs> yeah, just something like that. You need a hug. Oh, oh he's beautiful. No, now, now here's another one, Donnie. Of course, Donnie was uh, also 1974, and he retired with John on the same day, 1988, uh, t- on today, January 18th. And Donnie was an undrafted free agent uh, back in 74, five Pro Bowls, Hall of Fame in 2020. He was also an inaugural member of the uh, Hall of Honor here, All-Pro four times, Steelers MVP in 1980. 51 career interceptions, and that's most by a strong safety. Still the record by strong safeties in NFL history. Think about it. This is back in the day when they only threw the ball 15 to 25 times a game. You know, it wasn't the 45 and 50 times that they throw today. And and Donnie had at least one interception every year 
throughout his 14 seasons. And I remember towards the end of his career, even then, he was still getting five and six interceptions. Just an unbelievable player. And uh, he also had 19 fumble recoveries. That's pretty impressive stuff, I would say. No, that, 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 I mean, the stats don't lie. And, you know, Don, Donnie Shell was one of those guys that you knew his time was coming. It, it was just a matter of when, not a matter of if, when he would get in the Hall of Fame. Because like you said, when you have stats that are still going 30-plus years later and, and the amount of talent that we've had at the safety position in this league and you still can't scratch a record like that, that, that that's special. That, that, that's generational. That's transformative. And you got to honor that dude. So I was so happy when uh, when Donnie got announced because I remember I was in um, where was I at? I was in Mexico. I remember that. I was in Mexico for one of the Steelers uh, football camps down there, and so we had Donnie Shell, Rocky Blyer, uh, Bud Dupree, Terrell Edmonds, and myself. We were all a part of the group that went down there to do the football camp, and I just remember you know just sitting and talking with Don. I mean, so sharp. Yeah. And such a good dude. And, you know, I just, I'd ask him different questions. I'm like, hey, hey, what, what's the dirtiest hit you ever had? And, you know, he'd laugh and chuckle. None of them were dirty. They're all legal. <laughs> no, except for the ones that, 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 that they threw flags on. I was, <laughs> you know, <laughs> he just had a, had a way about just, just making you chuckle along the way. But, you know, I was so happy when he went in. And, you know, and then, of course, we had that mega class of Steelers that, that went in all together. And so we all got to celebrate together, you know, with Troy, Coach Cower, um, Allen, right. and seeing Donnie. And, of course, um, you know, not getting Bill, you know, not get allowing, you know, for Bill Nunn to go in at a time where he could have enjoyed it. But the Nunn family being there on right, his behalf. Right. But that was just such a monumental moment because, I mean, you think about the contributions that different Steelers have made to this game, the impact they've had on this game. And I think it's kind of a travesty when you can't get other guys in that are deserving because they're a part of an organization. But it's like, listen, how about how about you get your house in order and make sure that you're actually producing, scouting, and and cultivating great talent. I'm sorry that we that we have way too many guys that deserve to be Hall of Famers, and your yeah. and your and your team doesn't. <laughs> you know, you know I, I mean, yeah, lose L seven loser. You know what I'm saying? Like. Like, hello, Bueller, Bueller, hello, Bueller. Anybody? <laughs> um, anybody? Yeah, anybody? Anybody? Yeah, exactly. I mean, so, so, it, but, but you're right. I mean, and Donnie's just one of those great examples. John Stallworth, another great example of that. And so many other guys who are deserving, who, who will eventually be there, you know. Hines will have his time, yeah. you know, and, and James Harrison will have his time. Because, listen, when you change rules, yeah. when you have to change rules to the base way that you – officiate a game because a player outperformed the limitations that you put on them because of their position that deserve that that's hall of fame worthy because you've made a significant contribution to the game no question and, and you've changed the way that the game has evolved because the game is ever changing always evolving and when you have when you can actually point to a point in time and a player specifically that changed that you have you have to acknowledge that, and that's where the Hall of Fame. You know, they need to kind of loosen up their regulations so you could get that backlog that backlog in, um, kind of freed up a little bit more. And I agree with that. You know, that Centennial class was was a great one, but you still need to. They still need to do more. Yeah. Because even like looking at this class that's up right now, there's guys who should be there, but you're arguing seniority for a lot of them. Well, one I'd um, argue right away is Andy in. Russell. Gag Zooks, man. Yeah. That guy there. Yeah. Yes. But it's like. You have too many linebackers in the Hall of Fame, Steelers. Yeah. What? Right, come on. 
Sorry, sorry. I'm sorry that we that we, we are we are linebacker pro. You know what I'm saying? Like, ooh, our bad. Just like we produce high quality centers. Like we know how to judge that talent more often than not. Better than a lot of other organizations. Wide receiver, same thing. And quarterback. I mean, so there's just you know, and that that's where some of my frustrations. And I and I get it because I've talked to the media members, you know, that have the votes and everything. Right. You know, Ed Bouchette back in the day, you know, Dale's had to do it and other guys. So, but it's but it's just it's frustrating when you have we have this cap number and that's it. It's like no, y'all need to loosen those numbers up just until you get back to a place where. It, it can be very, very selective because you kind of overlook guys. And like you said, the Andy Russells of the world got passed over because of younger guys, and you can argue stats, and then his stats don't stack up to a guy that's more contemporary in the 2000s. Like Andy Russell's numbers aren't going to look like that because they don't pass the ball. They, they pass the ball all over the place. You're getting 70, 80 plays running a game, whereas Andy probably played and there was maybe 50, 55 plays. So your tackle numbers aren't going to be the same. Right. No doubt about it. And one of my favorite memories, which really was a painful memory, was my rookie year when I was up at training camp and Donnie hit me on a, on a sweep. It was so funny because I thought I was, you know, I was I was pulling out on a sweep and going as a P39GO. Yeah, you felt good too, didn't you? Out in the open field. Man. It was like the reins were off. You were like that noble steed running in the valley. I was, baby. I could feel the breeze <laughs> blowing through my beard and hair. I was just ready yeah. to go out there and pound somebody. I turn up, and Donnie hit me just the moment I turned up. He airmailed me. <laughs> I was say, you went, you went from quarter horse to pack mule real quick. <laughs> <laughs> they, all they needed to do was turn, roll me over and shoot me right on the field. Yeah, exactly. I, I literally, I think I landed like six feet from where Donnie hit me. I mean, it was just an impressive hit, right? And I roll oh, over, gosh, and yeah. I one-hopped right right in front of Chuck Knoll. And Chuck looks down at me, he goes, young, because I was a rookie, it was young man, as he always called him back in the day. Young man, that's not very impressive. My first thought was, wow, you must have not seen that hit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. That was very impressive to me. Yeah, I was about to say, which one are you talking about? Because <laughs> I definitely can appreciate the impressiveness of, of, of said hit, because I'm hurting all over. Like, I can't find a spot on my body that doesn't hurt right now, Coach. (laughs) No, I mean, literally, I got airmailed. Yeah, oh, God. You talk about elbows and butts and knees flying. (laughs) Exactly. I know what Superman felt like for exactly 2.1 seconds. (laughs) Yes. The miracle of flight. (laughs) I couldn't believe it. I'm sitting there thinking to myself, this is, that was a safety. I just got hit by, you know, I knew of Donnie's reputation and everything else. But in my mind, I'm thinking, that was a secondary, a safety, a, a, a guy that I should have been able to run over. He just crushed me. <laughs> you know? well, and, and, then you, and then you look at it and you're like, oh, yeah, by the way, there's that six foot seven guy that's also on the defense of the secondary <laughs> by the name of Mel Blunt. Yeah. It's like, are you kidding me? Th- th- that's what they do out here? This is the pros? I'm in the I wrong mean, place, yeah. man. I'm in the wrong yeah. place. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it, it, it's one of those things. Yeah. That that's the welcome to the NFL rookie moment, right there. It was, it was, and I will tell you the the two biggest hitters and it, that I I recall in my rookie year. I remember when, one was Donnie Shell, uh, the other one was Dennis Dirt. Uh, oh, what was it? Dirt? Uh, oh, not Dawson. Oh, Jeepers! I can't think of his name now. Dennis Winston. Uh-oh. That's who that's it was. Okay, Dennis Winston. Go. Yes. He oh you because I was of no help to you no I, well I no that I was way him. back yeah. in 1980. <laughs> Matter of fact, you know I mean he was he was a hard hitter man. He was a linebacker. He was kind of 
very Kendrell Bell type of you know player. That's what I was about to say. That that's Larry the hardest Foot. hitter I've yeah. ever been around in my life. Was Kendrell, Kendrell Bell? Oh man, Jesus. that guy. Could... College and pro. Yeah. College and because oh, I played against him at Georgia before oh, okay. he got to the league. Okay. And he 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 was devastating. The problem was he did not know how he didn't know the difference between practice and, and games, <laughs> and he hit everybody that way. So it was like, oh, you're pulling on counter lead. Is Kendrell? Nope, not doing it. <laughs> hey, 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 climb, and I'm going to kick out the emol. I'm not. Nope, I'm not pulling up in the hole. Nope, nope, nope. I, va- I value, I value my shoulders. I value most of the bones on my body, uh, and I'm not willing to sacrifice those right now at, at, at you know practice one of a two a day. Not going to happen. <laughs> no, I, you know, literally, I mean, those uh, impactful guys. I mean, I just Donnie was just astonishing in the power that he would bring in. In he's a smaller frame guy, you know. I mean, Donnie was under yeah. six foot and and under two hundred pounds, but wow, what a wallop he could bring! You know, he was he was actually a linebacker at South Carolina State. You know, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. You're right. And they yeah. moved him to safety. And it was it was the the transition that he made was just terrific, and for him to be able to come up with fifty one picks over the course of his career in an era in an age when they didn't throw the ball near as much as they do now, and and, yeah. and when you are known for your hitting ability, not your coverage ability, I, it just says everything about Donnie and installs together two two very godly men, great men, just great men. Yeah, godly men that did ungodly things on the football field. <laughs> you know, they did what God put in them, man. That was either yeah, hit or catch. Yeah, yeah. Hosp- you know? Hospital balls are, are every throw that goes in the air. <laughs> <laughs> I hit you on the chest, but I'm going to hit you harder than chest. <laughs> you know what's so funny? I just got a text from Hoopy. Let me I gotta read this yeah. to you. Okay, let's see. Hoopy said, tell Max if I was home, because she was worried about you being stuck in the hotel. All right. Remember in Buffalo there? Oh yeah. She Uh says, tell Max, if I was home when he was stranded, I would have loved to come get him and bring him to my house and cook for him. (laughs) He says, we could get well acquainted. She goes, I'm going to adopt Max as one of my sons. (laughs) Yay. There you go. You're now hoopified. I've now been hoopified. I am fully inundated in the in the Wolfley clan. And you know it's funny. So, because I, I was on air with your brother, by the way, he tell he he says he loves you back. Oh, right. Um, Good deal. Had to, had to play telephone with that. Yeah. But he was talking about. He's like, yeah, you know, you know, Max, you were stuck up there. You should have went to. I'm like, she was in Florida. He's like, what? Oh yeah, that's like, right. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, she's in Florida. Or else I would have I would have went over there. He was like, oh my god. So Wolf, so Ron, your brother, the other Wolf. Was in stitches like the rest of the segment. He's like, the fact that he knows that, the fact that he knows that. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm an unofficial Wolfly. Don't there worry about go. it. <laughs> I got intel too. <laughs> All right, that's a wrap on this oh, segment. Man. We are going to go to break here. We're going to come back as Max leads us into the bell lap, and we will be back with more after this. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on Fox Sports Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right, bell lap time here inside the locker room. 
You know what that is. That's the early lunch bell, too, guys. Let's just be honest. You know um, it. And I'm definitely. I can't wait for lunch today, especially since <laughs> I did. I did pick up basketball this morning before the show, so I am. I am. I am hungry and I'm sore. So How much you score? I cannot wait. I mean, so we play like pickup games. We usually play like the 15. Um, I scored. First game, I didn't hit anything. I didn't even hit the broadside of a bar in the first game. You're waking uh, we up. We played still. four games. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, ha- I had like, I probably had like three buckets uh, the next three games okay. each. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was a contributing member to the, to the uh, scoring success of our team. Uh, but yeah, it, it's one of those things where I was just like, man, I'm just trying to get cardio guys. Okay. Listen, it's like, if you're expecting me to just jump up and shot block, like I got quality rebounds. And if a guy is standing on his feet, when he decides to shoot the ball, I can put my hand up and block it. Uh, but, but you're not dunking yeah. on anybody. Uh, oh, uh, absolutely not. No, you, you know, I'm like, no, the dunking days are gone. It's no. more, it's more like reverse hook shots and, and you know, elbow jumpers. Right, and I'm, I might get a little dirty in the blocks a little bit, but yeah, it, it's also very. Uh, I, I'm I'm more likely to go set a screen to get yep. a guy open, gotcha. and then kind of have a lazy half roll, pick and roll. But that's about it. <laughs> My Dunkin' is all donuts. <laughs> hey, nothing wrong with that. Dunkin' nope. does it better, anyways. They do much better. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, all right. Well, to 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 kind of finish where we started, Wolf. Yes. I did pose a question out there on X. Okay. I asked for our fan base to give us their top three beach destinations. See if we have any crossovers or some new admissions that, you know, that might have sparked the memory banks a little bit. Okay. Um, so Wallace the Barbarian out there on X, good old Wallace. Um, he gave he gave me his top three. Satellite Beach, Florida. Okay. Number three. Number two, Tybee Island Beach, Georgia. Hmm. There we go. And then... Uh, Coronado Island Beach, California, for Ooh. Wallace. Ooh, that's pretty good. That's where yeah. I think the Navy SEALs train. Yeah, I was about to say that that is that is the SEALs training. So I don't know how many locals or or pr- civilians can go over there, but yeah, I imagine if you can. I've never thought about going over there, so that, I mean that's pretty good. No, that's that's hard stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's rough stuff. I ain't doing no SEALs. I, I, I want to relax. I mean, I don't think you can. I don't <laughs> think you can get like a mai tai over there no, on that no. beach. No, uh, I don't think so. Tough. Uh, Alvaro Martin. That's oh, right. Si, senor. Uh, yes. That's right. Donde Steelers esta? Espanol broadcast. Donde esta el baño? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah puedo ir el baño. Sierra uh, yes. so, Puerta. That's all the I know. That's there it is. Know. Close the door. Yep. Close that door. Well, he's opened the door to his top three. Uh, slightly biased. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to lie for uh, for Alvaro's picks, but I get it. Listen, when you grow up, when you grow up in the Caribbean and you grow up on an island that has great beaches, of course you're going to pick them. So he picked Flamenco Beach, uh, Culebra, and uh, Puerto Rico. He also picked Buye Beach in Cabo Rojo, Puerto Rico, I and then Playa Sucia Cabo Rojo in Puerto Rico. He picked three Puerto Rican beaches. Um, I've been to two of them, uh, but he did say, "Go ahead, call me a snob. I've got reasons to be." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> boy, just leave that where it is. We'll leave it where it is. Love that dude. Uh, yeah. Brian Backo, he he has a good interesting okay. one. He yeah, Black Rock Beach in uh, Kanapali, Hawaii. Ooh. Um, haven't been to that one. That sounds interesting. Eagle Beach in Aruba. Now here's have, the, here's one thing. Yeah. Here, one thing. Black Rock. I, I've seen pictures of it, and it's like the yeah. volcanic stuff in that. I don't know yep. if you you know. I don't know, Brian. That seems like you got to wear flip flops all the time. Can't put your that, feet yeah, in the or, sand. Or, or at least the um, what are the scu- the scuba shoes? Oh you yeah, know, that you, the, like the water socks. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, yeah. That but I like I, that would that'd be cool sure. to see. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Eagle Beach in Aruba. That's a beautiful beach, but it's so windy is over it? there on that side. It is a very windy, but a beautiful beach nonetheless. The water's warm, but the wind makes it a little cool, so you kind of get that contrast of like the warm water and the cool breeze up top. So it's, yeah. it's a cool. One. This one's one I have no clue about, and I'm going to lean on on you or Wes to end. Presque Island Erie PA. Yeah, yeah, I've been there. Or it's, Presque Isle, I'm yeah, sorry. Presque, Presque Isle, Isle. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's right there in Erie. It's uh, it's nice. It's a nice place. He um, had it as his number one. I don't I don't know about that. I couldn't but. I couldn't go number one. That's a Yinzer choice right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Brian, Brian, that's a Yinzer choice. That's uh, that's yeah, all right. He went straight Yinzer on that one. Um, Christopher Buzelli only gave us one Bodega Bay in California. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've never been to that one either. No, I can't say. So, no, one, no one mentioned the Hamptons yet. No. Has not gotten there yet. Uh, Joltus Manis on X okay. said Myrtle Beach, Grand Cayman, and Keystone State Park. Accessible to all. <laughs> I was going to say, we got to get some Myrtle Beaches. Like, that is yeah, the, exactly. the official well, Ke- beach of Keystone people. State Park. You can make you know. You know, they got beach. They got sand. They got something. It's got sand, dirt, whatever you want to call it. Um, Michael Cooper gave us Waikiki, Aruba, and Sunset, North Shore, Hawaii, um, as his option. Which I thought, okay, that's a that's a pretty Mm -hmm. good one. Uh, I then I then polled my buddies. Okay, and uh, my one buddy said the Amalfi Coast in Italy. Oh, um, there we go. Yeah. Barbados, which I can attest to, uh, especially a great place to go after you've done Carnival in Trinidad. Ah. Um, and then um, Mallorca, Mallorca Spain. Beach in Mallorca, Spain. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Thailand, Koh Samui. So my boy Brian gave me gave me those. Trey gave us Hawaii, Negril, and Bermuda. And, oh man, yeah, yeah. Bermuda's a tough one because it was so cold when we were there. Okay, <laughs> to All get right. the water. I've not done. But there was a lot of kite yet. surfing. Okay, yeah. My boy JP John Pickens gave me Hawaii, Turks, and Mykonos, which Ooh. I can attest. Mykonos Beach is is a very very popular and cool beach club scene there. I that's that's where I had my best meal was in Mykonos. So oh, I was yeah. apparently not at the beach, but I was by the sea. Uh, <laughs> does that count? That counts. <laughs> It counts. You're yeah. close enough. Yeah, exactly. And then last one, uh, my good friend Shannon said, Turks, Rayleigh Beach in Thailand, and then the Bahamas. Ooh. And then, of course, if you like magic, it's Tulum. Okay, so uh. so we appreciate everybody <laughs> for jumping in Absolutely. and giving us their choices. That was a great one. You know what? I'm going to put this topic out a lot earlier okay. uh, for the next shows when we have our, our top choices for stuff, just so we can get a little more fan interaction, because that's fun. If we're not going to yeah. answer the calls all the time. Let's, let's let's get them involved on the on the digi space. Okay, so so what's the next? Uh, I was gonna say, what's the random topic tomorrow? Yeah. What will the random? I'll come up with it by tomorrow. I'll come up with it by tomorrow. We could do tomorrow. that. I'll text what? you more than an hour before. Okay, <laughs> it could be. Well, more... we're doing no, we're doing amusement parks. We're doing oh, amusement right. parks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Amusement so parks. amusement top parks three? tomorrow. So yeah, top three. Okay. Top three amusement parks. All right. Well, that's our show because I want to make sure we get Coach Tomlin on time uh, for his press conference. Craig Wolfley, myself, Wesley Euler. Uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> CJ. I was about to say JT. Uh, sorry, Magnum PI. Um, no. Um, so CJ, Brian LaMartina, we appreciate you guys. Same black and gold channel, same black and gold time tomorrow. You've been inside the locker room. Go make it a great day. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.